Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, and welcome back to Ask the Tech Coach. My name is Jeff Bradbury, and welcome to the podcast for digital learning leaders and instructional coaches. In this week's episode, we have a fantastic conversation with my good friend, Dr. Jim Beagley. And today, we're going to answer two important questions. First, we're going to talk a little bit about this concept of digital learning. What is it? What does it mean? But more specifically, what are we doing with this term in the year 2023 and beyond? And second, we're going to take a look at the innovation curve. This diagram, this graphic that we throw up on a lot of our presentations to show which teachers are in front and which teachers we need more support with. And hopefully by the end of today, we're going to come up with a great definition for how we can move our districts forward. So if you like any of these topics, stick around for more on Ask the Tech Coach. Now, that's not the only reason I'm excited about the episode today. Today, we're also thrilled to share more information about the big announcements that we made last week on the episode. Of course, we talked about ISTE and some of the great sessions that are going to be happening at ISTE. We talked about this new book that I'm writing called Impact Standards and how we're going to start to use these impact standards in the classrooms. But also, I'm excited to share that this week, I started my new position as the Director of Digital Learning, had a chance to to get into the school district, meet many of our district leaders, took a little tour of some of our buildings, and I have been having a blast getting to know everybody, getting into my office, decorating it a little bit. And I want to say thank you to everybody who last week took the time to write, to tweet, and really to reach out just to kind of say good things about, you know, how they're doing, but also some of the congratulatory things. So before we really get into the episode today, thank you guys for taking the time to reach out. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad that you are all here to share on this journey with me. And I hope we're, having, we're, we're here to share on this journey with you guys. My guest today is the current director of distance learning for the administrative office of the Pennsylvania courts and has been in education and specifically in ed tech for more than 25 years. I'm excited to have him on the show today. I want to bring on my good friend, Dr. Jim Beagley. Jim, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. Finally, after all these years. <laughs> I am excited to have you on. I'm excited to start this series about building culture, building digital learning. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know recently you took on a new position, but you've been in education for many years as a tech director. Who is Jim Beagley? Uh, I've done everything from technology sales to schools to you know, working in instructional technology and being a a tech director being instructional technologist from you know small school districts to colleges uh, most recently i was at a small private school in central pennsylvania here so i've done i've kind of run the gamut from k to 20 if you will uh, leading educational technology i even did a stint for some years at the pennsylvania department of education running various working out of the office of educational technology 
Well, I'm excited to have you on here today. We've been talking about this a lot for, I mean, really for the last couple of years, but, but even more recently, we've been having these discussions about, you know, what does classroom instruction look like? What should it look like? And, you know, specifically today, we're going to be diving into this conversation of what is digital learning? How should we define it? So let's just kind of open up here with one of my first questions here. But when you're looking at a classroom, when you are in that tech director's seat, you know, what should instruction be looking like today? Many educators have shied away from technology. Some have gone towards it. Some school districts are all in. Some are, you know a little less Microsoft and a little less Google than they used to be. But when we're looking at putting together a vision for the future of our classrooms, what do you think it should look like? So it's probably a hot take on my part that I'm not a, I'm not a use technology because you have to use technology kind of person. Uh, you know, I'm, there are situations in our classrooms where it totally fits and I can see it in every classroom, you know, sciences and some of those like that. But sometimes it's also okay to just have kids reading a book and not being on technology in, a, in an English class, let's say, or a foreign language class. I'm not a big advocate of using technology for technology's sake, I guess is probably the best way to say it. And but in today's classrooms, I think there's got to be, you've got to get kids using, meeting them where they are. And as you, I mean, you have kids, I have kids that they are constantly hounded by media. So we need to be able to, to meet them and be able to deliver that, that curriculum to them in ways that they can do it and they can digest it. I think the days of um, Sage on the stage are long gone. You know what I mean? Those types of things. We need to get kids in using video and how they can, I've been, I've been a big advocate of getting kids to move up the Bloom's taxonomy scale and letting them be creative. They don't have to, um, they don't have to necessarily write a paper when they can create a drawing or they can create a video or do something else that would interpret that their knowledge of, of a, of a, of a project or understanding of a topic. I'm, as you know, I'm big into the social studies. So, you know, mm -hmm. getting kids to you know, just look and interact with historical documents differently is, is, is a way to, they can interact in the classroom and, um, you know, and be I, engaged. I, I, and be engaged, I, I guess is the word. And, and I agree with that, right? Because right now, when we're recording this, there's so much talk right now about AI and chat GPT. And there seems to be a few different camps. And I don't know if you saw the Facebook post a couple of days ago from our friend Steve Dembo out in Chicago. But I, I guess as the story goes, he showed the students chat GPT. And I guess the students agreed that it should be banned, which is awesome to hear because they're kind of learning how to police themselves when, you know, Steve's a very out there, very forward thinking guy. And he's like, no, look at all the different things that we can use this for. Right. And I, I look at artificial intelligence you know, in that same way, I think it's one thing to open up an AI chatbot or something and say, give me three ways to bake a cake, but the kids still have to go out and bake the cake. They can't just use the information. And I, I don't know, I look at artificial intelligence and I mean, it really is just an extension of a Google search. Yeah, my son did actually just did this and he had a paper to write on a topic for a class and he went out and got the basic information from chat GBT and then took that and expanded the words and added his own 
knowledge and information to it, but it gave him the basis, not like you could do the same thing if you went to Wikipedia right? You exactly. know, and, got the, and got the idea, but people say, don't go to Wikipedia because it's inaccurate, but I could go and get basic information there and then I, add I, my own knowledge and my own words or other research in there. And then it's an acceptable answer. And, and you know, ChatGPT is in that same infancy state too. You know, I, I roughly did a search for, you know, um, write a biography about myself. Now it didn't know who <laughs> One I of our was. mutual friends did that recently. Right. right? <laughs> it, it, it wrote a biography about Jeff Bradbury. Now, how many people in the world in, in history have had that name? And it was entertaining. But then I changed it to write a biography of Jeff Bradbury from TeacherCast. And you could tell basically it was scraping my about page. No. Okay. That's a great way to, to start having the conversation about, you know, um, is it is it a hundred percent factual? And if it is a hundred percent factual, is it the right factual? Right. So the other thing to do with it too is like, I, I think it really comes down to the prompt that you put into it, which requires some thought. You know, I could say, hey, it's you know, it's Women's History Month. I could say, write me a blog post about Harriet Tubman, let's say, and it would give me you know x number of words about Harriet Tubman. But then if I say add quotes from experts or historians or quotes from her and, you know, or relate it to women's history month. And so you, as you expand that, so it gets kids to think about phrasing specific questions and getting them to think. And it's like ask, you know, computers are only as smart as the questions that you ask them. So you really have to deep dive into what prompt it's like advanced Google searching. And you and I have taught these types of techniques Yes, I can ask for who is Harriet Tubman in a Google search, but if you narrow it down using, I only want sites from that are .edu and you know like those types of advanced search techniques and information literacy, then it takes it one step further for kids. Um, you know, they 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 have all this information at the tip of their fingers, and how do we get them to get the right information and digest through all the noise, if you will? Let's take a step back here because today really is about trying to figure out how we're going to define what learning should be. And this really, as I mentioned at the beginning of the uh, podcast, is the first in a series of shows that we're going to be doing here on how do we create a more refined culture for digital learning. Uh, Jim, you've been around for a, a hundred years or so. Where <laughs> we are right now in 2023 really towards the end of the school year. I know we're still in the middle, but we're, we're towards the end here. It, you know, ISTE registration's already out. How do you define the term digital learning? Um, probably broadly just anything that involves the use of digital resources. And I'm going to vaguely put digital resources in a category. And by that, it could be anything from eBooks to digital primary sources, to movies, YouTube, you know, so as kids, I digest that and take that in, you know, learning from those resources is those types of things, but it also includes topics of, you know, personalized learning and blended learning and, you know, individualized instruction and those types of things and flipped classrooms and all those buzzwords that we've heard over the years but integrating some portion of technology, if you will. You know, now we're looking into more of the augmented reality and AR and VR. You know, that's huge these days. And we can put kids in locations that and they don't have to like take field trips and 
Um, those kind of things. I, I love that you bring that up because, I mean, we've been looking at VR stuff for more than a decade, right? And it seems, right. you know, I, I often say, and, and, and forgive me on this one, but, you know, there's people who fix your car and then there's mechanics, right? <laughs> and it's the same thing. Um, there's amazing people out there who are STEM educators. And then there's people who might happen to be working in a room that they call a makerspace. And that's, that's I, you know, that's not pushing a thought on one type of person, but I've seen a lot of school districts over the last 10 years or so, you know, they invest in a technology, right? They invest in VR or they invest in iPads, they invest in something. And then you walk into the classroom and it's still sitting in that box because, you know, that virtual reality might do a great 3D underwater experience, but no one's teaching underwater this week, so we're going to put that over there. Right. And so we had years a, and years and years go by, right? Yeah. At my last school, we had a TV studio that had sat unused mm -hmm. for seven years or something. You know, and I because no one knew how to use the equipment, so we went in and we sort of, you know, took away the expensive equipment and started using some of the easier stuff, using OBS, you know, making it easier for the kids to use and, and just get started, get our feet wet and, you know, getting them to record and then taking opportunity, finding opportunities to get teachers to come into that space and use it. So we did, we actually um, over Christmas had the teachers come in and read Twas the night before Christmas, you know, with a green screen in the background, the kids got to edit the video. They got to interact with teachers and get them, hey, this is what we want. So, it, you know, again, it's it's steps and stages of getting to use these spaces for different things. Well, it's just for, you know, TV news. No, it's not. We can do lectures out of that space. And it's simple. It doesn't have to be elaborate. I 100% agree. Now, right now we are recording this podcast through an application online called StreamYard. And yes, it's great for podcasters. It's great for live streaming, broadcasting, et cetera. But one of my favorite things to do with this is you stick it into a third grade class. And now you're doing a TV show or a game show or, you know, forget the streaming aspect of it. You've now got a video camera where you can move other video screens around really, mm -hmm. really easy. Yeah. Why not put that in the hands of, uh, you know, an elementary student. And now they're, you know, you've got five presidents and every kid gets to be a president. And now you're doing presidential, I don't know, jeopardy or something like that. Right. Like lots of different things, but it wasn't always that case. I'm sure you can remember the time as, you know, as an administrator, as a tech director, where, it was difficult to get teachers to buy into the concept of using a computer, using technology, or, hey, what am I going to use that iPad for? I'm going to throw the word Google Cardboard in here because that's on the top of my mind. Like, All right. <laughs> what, what, let's do the way back machine here with Dr. Oh Beagley. What was that like of just spending money so that way, you know, you could say you're doing technology, but starting this journey of tech integration. I don't know if I'm talking the well, 90s yeah, or the so early 2000s. I've but... done it a couple of times. You know, the the biggest thing was to get it into the hands of the teachers. You know, we gave the teachers laptops once, you know, at a school. I don't know. Geez, I can't remember how long ago that was. You know, getting them to buy in, getting them to use it. And then once they saw the, the benefit of it, then they would encourage the kids to use it more. Um, the other The other thing, you know, giving them quick ideas for lessons and ways that they can get kids engaged using the tools that they have. 
taking, as you said, an iPad and let, let's create a stop motion video. Oh, that's so hard to do. No, I can show you in you know two or three minutes how to create a stop motion video using doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or, you know, did, I, we, when we did the, when we went to one-to-one Chromebooks at my school, we went, we did, we gave them to the teachers one first and let them use them and have training on them. Then we gave them to the students. So they knew what was coming. It wasn't throw them to the students and let the teachers figure it out. It was let the teachers, you know, figure it out, then gave it to the students. I remember doing a podcast episode early in teacher cast with a CTE teacher. I don't want to mention his name because he's no longer with us, but he was telling me the story of how, you know, the day he brought in that second generation iPad for the first time and it had a camera on it. And they were, the students were going, what do I do with this? And his response was, I don't know. Go figure it out and come back later. And they turned that into, you know, how do you become a documentarian? Or how do you take video of the product? Like, all of those different things. And, and he just happened to have the whereabout to say, I don't know. Go figure it out. Whereas even now, many teachers are, if I don't know how to do it, you're not going to do it either. And you know, that's what I'm hoping these next few shows that we're going to do is going to help us figure out how do we create that vision, but how do we help teachers become more confident? But yeah. So then, you know, we talk about like, there's like the smart boards have been around forever. Yep. You know, but like we got to find new ways to get kids to be able to, to, to engage with that. So now using like a teacher could be at the front of the room using like writing on a thing and the students can be at their desk using an app, an extension like Cami, let's say, mm-hmm. to edit up the same PDF and take notes, you know, in on their Chromebook or on their mobile device or whatever it is. So, you know, there's, yes, there's, there's an interactiveness in it um, with it. So the kids can, they don't have to have pencil and paper, although I understand that at some levels is beneficial. Well, was, but, it e- was it easier before? I mean, I remember going to ISTE and everywhere you walked in the vendor floor, every single company had the end all solution, Yeah. right? Microsoft had everything and Google had everything. And, and I don't even remember the companies that are long gone now, but I mean, they had every solution for everything, right? I mean, yeah. was that easier as a tech director? Cause you're, you know, you're spending no, your money on, why wasn't it? Because it was just too much. I was always a big advocate of find the right solution and stick with it. I was never a let's go grab the new shiny thing. You know, I, I rode wiki spaces till it died, you know, till it went away kind of thing. You know what I mean? Because it just worked, um, you know, or blogger or whatever the, you know, the tools were. Was that easy to sell to your administrative it, team? Because yes. like, hey, I'm I'm putting, you know, X number of thousands of dollars into this, and you know, or again, you know, we're buying so, iPads. Thanks, that's it. Thanks. We're just yeah, we're, buying no, iPads. We bought, so we bought iPads, but we you would bring teachers in and say, okay, we need an app to do X, and we would send out a couple of those apps to teachers, and then they would um, evaluate them and then come back to them. Like we were looking for a note taking app, and so. Um, you know, send out a couple of different ones. And then the teacher's like, hey, we want to use Notability. Okay, great. So we picked Notability because it had all of the features that the majority of the teachers wanted. Then I'm training teachers on one app. I'm not training teachers on 50. You know, you know, a teacher comes to me, well, we need a way to be able to have kids on Chromebooks edit video. Okay, well, let's find a solution. So let's go to, hmm, all right, WeVideo is, is, the, is the way to go. 
it's not we video and jump cut and this and that and this and that you know i know some of the programs have um different solutions but let's find one stick with it and then i'm working in you as an instructional coach or the instructional coach in the building whatever it is um are only has to do one set of training it's simple but you know, we're going to stick with this but that, that 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 then just seems against where we're going you know you're not teaching a kid google sheets you're teaching them how to make a spreadsheet so that way no matter Correct. what application right right so there, there must be a time without thinking it's changed I, I I don't know whether I've ever changed it. I always my mantra has always been I could teach you to word process on an Apple IIe green screen because it's the same concept. You know, it's verbs. It's all it is. It's all it is, and I got to highlight something, and it's I'm just typing. You know, I don't need Microsoft. I, and I I argue this with like our business ed teachers. You're not teaching micro, Google apps. You're not teaching Microsoft Word. You should be teaching word processing skills. You should be teaching spreadsheet skills. Because I can go to chat GBT right now and ask it to write me a formula for Excel. Right. <laughs> and 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 I, I think we've been trying that, right? Here, give me the Excel formula for this. Give me the Google Sheets formula just to see if it's the same thing or how similar it would be. Right. I, I remember pre-pandemic, but a few years ago, where you would walk into ISTE, and again, every company had their monster solution, and then I remember very clearly, you know, the next year, it might have been Chicago, but then that was the first year of integrations, right? That was the first year of here's my Chrome extension that also fits with uh, Google Classroom, with Teams, with PowerSchool. That with... makes selling them easier. But let's talk a little bit about that, right? Because now then you you came into this world where it wasn't here's the one, here no, here's here's notability and we're going to do all notability or here's we video. It's now... You know, even in my district now, we have four different options for video, right? You want to do short video, you got Flipgrid. You want to do editing, you got Wii Video. You want something in the middle, you got Canva. If you don't want that, you got, you know, Adobe Creator, Adobe Creator, Apple Clips, or, right. you know, but that, that starts causing a problem for the teachers because now you walk in and go, I don't know what to do, but I've got 75 things that I could do. Oh, forget it. So, I want to talk a little bit about that from the coaching point of view, but talk to me a little bit about that from the administrator point of view, right? Because now we're living in the world where there are 500 solutions for, I want to make a video, right? Many of them so, are free. They all have acceptable use policies. Take it away. And so you, I mean, you hit on the point is, and part of it is, I mean, and depending on this is varies by district and varies by technology director. Some of them lock everything down. So you can't install apps, you can't install extensions and you can't do this. You can't do that. But my mantra has always been, I w these are the one or two applications. Let's just stick with video editing that we're going to support. It doesn't mean you can't use other ones, but these are the ones that we're going to support and we're going to use. And we're going to encourage others to use until we get, enough adoption or enough at least feedback on a third like maybe a third one or a different solution which comes out of our you know i'm sure in your district you know you have uh, lead teachers or teachers who are just push the technology yep. envelope a little bit more yep yep you know Jen. we had those and they would come back to me and say hey we like this better look can we switch and we look at it we have a conversation and I'm like yeah that works you know what i mean right you know why you know this has more features we'd like to do this um, you know, I'm also one that I don't, I never like to push out a bunch of extensions because it just slows the computers down. So we like, let's just talk about what extensions we want the kids to have in Chrome 
or apps on their iPad because it's all just becomes then distractions. So focusing on it allows a it's fewer support calls. I don't have support calls for five apps. I have support calls for two. I'm only managing two or managing licenses for two, let's say. And then the trainers and the lead teachers or the even the department heads are only supporting or encouraging the use of two or three. So as a tech director, do you care? No, I don't. I, I mean, was like, always... uh, again, using video, what do you care if it's Wii video versus Final Cut versus, I don't you know, care. Microsoft video editor? Like, you know what? what? It doesn't matter, right? I actually had Mon- a couple money of aside, teachers. of course, right? Money like, aside. I had a couple of teachers that were doing it on CapCut on their phone, you know, because they were good at it, mm-hmm. you know, and, I and that's care. okay. And that's okay. You're doing it. You're using it. It's what works for you, you know, but. I'm going to support, these are the ones that I'm going to support officially. And I love the fact that even though there's so many things, they all are starting, you know, so they started a couple for a couple of years, but they're all working together. Right. I mean, I remember the first time I heard the term app smashing from our good friend, John Carippo of let's take this and let's put it over here, or let's make the graphic in this application. Then we're going to put it over onto our video platform. And how many of these different things can you get basically get one iPad to be doing? And this is, years ago years ago but right. you know there's just that concept that learning is learning let's make it happen but um i i want to talk about something that you said which is you know finding those lead teachers i i sometimes hear on the show refer to them as generals but before we get into that um one of the things that I think we're going to work on over the next few episodes here is coming up with a standard definition of terms um give me your one sentence two sentence um <laughs> Technology integration is, let's start with that. So how do you define technology integration to somebody at the beginning of a presentation? (laughs) I don't know. I haven't done that in a long time. That's a trick question. I I just, I guess it's, I don't know because it's just so, it's ingrained anymore. It's like. (sighs) It's a hard one, right? It's a really hard one. You know, I can think of the differences between information technology and educational technology, and but like integration, technology integration is just, I guess. I'll 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 give you the the definition, and I'll show you where this comes from. Okay, and then I can but, probably build this, off of that. I'll, I'll give you this. I'll, I'll give you the definition first here. I find this fascinating to anybody out there who's listening. Technology integration is the use of technology resources, meaning computers, mobile devices, smartphones, tablets, digital cameras, social media platforms and networks, software applications, the internet, (laughs) et cetera, in daily classroom practices and in the management of a school. That was 2007. That's not technology integration. Well, that was 2007 Edutopia. Okay, I found so that definition. So that's but I find it interesting that they say technology. Yeah. it's technology integration if it's under the management of a school. I, I, mm-hmm. I love that they added that stuff in there, right? Because right now, what is technology integration? Well, you're putting chat GPT into a right. Twitter bot and you're trying to pull out something to make a video, out, like all of those things together. Or um, I, I know you've got a music background. I know you've got, you know, you, you're always out there doing, you know, wrestling things with your with your family. If I'm a band student and I walk into the music room and I sit down, take out my violin and I use my phone to have a tuner, is that technology integration? I'd argue yes. I would argue yes, yeah. So 
And I would also argue that if you're making music on that same device using GarageBand, you know, I, I told my, I watched my son the other day play, show this, show me a video of this artist. He was a, 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 um, a singer and he had a, some kind of digital board that he was mixing sounds with and he could sing and make all of his background vocals and do everything right off of this little board. And he had, he had guitars and trumpets and drums all on this board and he was making music right off of it and singing his songs. And he was really popular with it. So they don't need full bands to create his music. Well, you, you know, is there, a, is there a difference between using technology in your classroom and technology integration in your classroom? I, I think the answer is yes. Yes, because I could use technology to just as a grade book. Right. But integrating it is, okay, I'm going to have everybody, I'm going to go back to my strengths. I'm going to have everybody pull up an image from the Library of Congress and do an exploration of a digital primary source. You know what I mean? And do an and, analysis on that. That's and for integration. Any- for anybody listening, I want your answer on that, right? Because even as a coach, we get that a lot from teachers, right? I don't need your help. I know how to use my board. Well, no, you're plugging your computer in and you're using it essentially as a mirror of your laptop, right? Like that's right. not technology integration. That's you, you're, you're showing, showing your computer screen with an 80 inch, right. you know, viewing angle, right? Like right. it's different. In the past, we used to hand out copies of PowerPoints, you know, for kids to take notes on. I've got two more for you here, and I love this conversation. How do you define the term digital learning? I thought we did that one already. Digital. Uh, We did. We did technology integration, didn't we? I thought we did digital. I will go back and fix it up. But, (laughs) well, you know, again, I think that the digital learning is is that's the that's more of a, um, it's a strategy, you know, or, or a a pedagogy that involves integrating that technology. So it's taking, it's not just using it for the sake of using it. It's more like integrating it in different ways. And, um, you know, you're looking at, like I said, I think I said before, but your blended learning, e-textbooks and those types of things, mobile learning, VR, I mentioned earlier, you know, that's digital learning. So where you're learning from a digital source and like, and it's not just, okay, let's watch a YouTube video. It's like, <laughs> let's watch a YouTube video that's broken up with Ed Puzzles. Right. You know, and then we go back to that integration, as that app smashing or that integration with Google Classroom. So I take that Ed Puzzle as an extension that now goes into my Google Classroom and I can get a grade on it. You know, so it's sort of breaking up that um, routine. I was never a big, um, you know, again, I see people saying, well, I'm going to put on Ken Burns civil war for eight hours or whatever in my class. (laughs) No kids are going to go to sleep, you know? Right. Well, so break it up a little bit, you know, and again, we, we talked a little earlier about, you know, finding your generals and stuff like that. I want to ask you one more here, you know, the term innovation, right? We have now directors of innovation. Well, you know, according to the dictionary, (laughs) innovation just means a new idea or method or an introduction to something new. Does that not mean that every kid who has an idea in class, which hopefully is all of them, is an innovator? And, And isn't every teacher who's trying something new an innovator? Yes. 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 You know, again, if a if a science teacher who's never done it before says, hmm, maybe we can 3D print something, you know, they're innovating that in their classroom. Or I had right. a teacher that 
you know, how can we get, how can we show the chicks that are hatching in our classrooms? You know, it's like she's innovating in that classroom or, um, you know, whatever it is, how can we do stop motion videos of cells or the, you know, looking back on it or remember those, there used to be those videos that were like the overhead shot. They would put a picture on the screen and then throw it away and then do something else. You know, those kind of pictures, like just anything like that. It's always innovative. Just finding any new way to do something that they used to traditionally do is an innovator. And I encourage and applaud those people and, you can't necessarily reward them other than saying and highlight what they're doing somehow, you know? So here's the question of the day. And, and as a listener of this show and as a supporter of this show, I want anybody out there listening to help me out. You can find us on Twitter at ask the tech coach. You can always find us over at teachercast.net. but here's what we're trying to figure out over the next few shows here. How do we get these teachers that might be, bogged down with so much technology, so much stress, so much pressure, all of the post-pandemic stuff. That was my dog. <laughs> Sorry. He's still working. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go, go lay down. Come here. Come here. All right. Go lay down. You're good. I get deer that run out back sometime. I think he hears them. All good? Yeah. How do we get them all on the same page? And how do we use our instructional coaches? And how do we define what this is? I want to end today by talking a little bit about something that many of us have seen before. I know we've talked about it a lot on this show, um, but it's called the innovation adoption curve. And I've been doing a little bit of research on this, but you know, we've, we've all seen the adoption curve. On one side, you have um, you know, your generals, the people, who, the, the, your go-getters, your first responders. And then basically as the curve goes up, you have your early adopters, you have your majorities. And then at the end, they call it their laggards, the people who don't quite move unless the entire herd moves. Yeah, and I think the if, resistors, if, you know, the resistors, right. And I, and I think if you're looking at your school, you can figure out, okay, if I got 20 teachers in a building, which ones do I go to first with that new app that new technology who do i put on the on the the leadership teams and stuff like that and who maybe do i wait until next year to find or who do i go to and you know hey jim are you interested in this you know mrs jones and i are doing it do you want to join us right how do you mm -hmm. help out with this curve I, I'm curious from the administrative point of view, I'm sure you've had situations where you're trying to bring out, you know, iPads, laptops, whatever it is. Right. Certain, certain buildings want to move and certain buildings don't. How do you handle this curve from an administrative point of view when you know some principals are ready to go and some aren't quite there yet? Yeah, so at my last job, uh, when we were rolling out and going one-to-one -one Chromebooks, we... As I said, we started off, I bought, I don't know, of our 60 teachers, I think I bought like 10 Chromebooks initially and gave them like, I, I want to say three to each of those groups that you just defined. You know, I knew, I knew my lead people were going to get them. Hey, go prosper. Um, but then I also got some ones that I thought are going to be probably more struggling to integrate technology because not only 
that it's not their style, but it's also not their subject. Um, you know, when you got a Latin teacher, you know, how is that teacher going to use technology in their classroom? So, and then when you get them and they start getting ideas, you know, then you can work with, they get them to talk to other teachers in their department or other teachers in the school to adopt it. So that's sort of the way that you do it. And it's kind of a, Oh, I forget the guy's name, but he talks about leading from the middle, mm -hmm. you know, uh, might be Malcolm Gladwell. One of those guys, you know, talks about leading from the middle and you bring, you don't bring the up or down, but you bring everybody up, you know, to, they can, then they become a little bit of minor leaders in their little groups. Um, you're still going to have your resistors and you're still going to have them, but I think some of that has to come from, yes, I was an administrator in the school, but I didn't have the power of a principal, mm -hmm. you know, so you have to get the principal to say, look, they must do this or they should be doing this more. And it helps with if the building leadership encourages that. And that's how it gets adopted. It gets more adoption, you know what I mean? And then again, I'm going back to, and I'm not talking about using technology for technology's sake, but truly integrating it. And that is the really, and I'm glad you said that, that is the thesis of where we're going with all of this stuff. How do you get your early adopters to figure out what digital learning is? How do you put a definition on it? How do you build a game plan? How do you make sure that this is part of the culture? Because ultimately, all of this stuff that we're going to be discussing here over the next few episodes is all about how do we raise the bar in the classroom? How do we help student achievement? And I would say to incorporate all of that together, how do we build a standards-based curriculum to do that? Yeah, but getting, you know, getting teachers, taking like showing examples too of what some of the teachers are doing really helps too. We had a teacher who was doing Google uh, Slides, making e-textbooks. So, you know, like, look, you could get kids to collaborate and create a chapter or part of a chapter of a digital textbook. And then at the end of the year, you have a new textbook, yeah. you know, that all the kids can share, you know, putting, putting PowerPoints in your notes in a Google classroom is not in a te integrating technology. You know what I mean? It does, it's not going to help them getting kids to collaborate on a project that's going to be beneficial to them and allow them to retain the information because they're interacting with it and they're self, um, self checking, self correcting. I don't know what the proper term is there. Mm -hmm. Um, then that's beneficial to everybody and it's beneficial to future students and it gives the teachers another resource. I think these topics are ones that need to be brought up more often in coaching circles. I think these topics are important to be used in administrative circles. I know these are topics that we talk about on our instructional coaches network that you can find by going over to askthetechcoach.com. Um, and, and you can go into our Facebook group, our LinkedIn group. We have one on K-12 leaders too, depending on where you feel comfortable sharing information and, and having these conversations. But I really wanna hear from you out there, the listener, how are you in your district defining digital learning? Right. Is it we're a Chromebook school and 
thanks or we've got pathways and this particular school is a video school and this one over here is a, is a STEM school. And like, how is your district defining what this looks like next week on the episode? Please, uh, you know, Make sure that you're hitting that like button, subscribe to this very show here, because next week we're going to talk about how do you create that vision? What does the vision look like? Who creates the vision? Um, can it be done alone? Is it something that a coach can do? How do you create this vision for what digital learning can look like in the classroom? You don't want to miss that episode. Stick around because we got a lot of these concepts coming up, and I want to make sure that we are here each and every week to help you guys create a standards-based and vertically aligned digital learning curriculum that is going to help out your teachers, align your professional development, and raise student achievement in the classroom. Jim, I want to say two things. First of all, thank you for helping us out here. You've been a big influence in this show. You know, maybe you haven't always been a guest, but <laughs> you and I have had some great conversations over the last many years that have led to some great episodes here. Yes, um, it has. Lots of times you you're driving, a- I'm driving, and we're talking on the phone. Right? We, we, we have our own little PLN, and I hope that continues into the future here. Um, where does somebody get a hold of you, and, and how do we learn more about the great things that you're doing? Uh, my web, I am Pfeiffer1863 online, F-I-F-E-R-1. 863 for all your all social studies all the time and um, my website is teach the civil war.com so i do I highly recommend checking all of that out great wordpress website right yeah awesome wordpress just recently redesigned thank you nice <laughs> <laughs> That wraps up this episode. Don't forget to head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Lots of blogs, lots of free templates, lots of great things. And we are just getting started. A lot of amazing things. And again, next week, come back where we're going to be talking about how do you create your vision for digital learning in the classroom. If you're a digital learning leader and instructional coach, this is Ask the Tech Coach. My name is Jeff Bradbury. And on behalf of everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, have a great time. Keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.